You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Hopefully everybody is doing fine. My name is Dan Johnson. I'll be your host today. Uh, Most of you know that already, but if this is the very first episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles that you have ever listened to, you're in for a treat because we have returning guest Tony Peterson on once again, and uh, basically it's two 40-year-olds bitching for about an hour, 52 minutes, uh, I think the conversation was, but we uh, we have a really good conversation, man. We talk about everything from the new Top Gun movie. We talk about the kids and having them at home during summer break and how kind of chaotic that is. We talk about uh, a little bit of the hunting industry. We talk about summer scouting, trail cameras, uh, and trying to get that inventory. And then, of course, planning for the upcoming out-of-state hunts. Man, this is just another awesome conversation I, I love talking with this dude because i can i can relate to him so uh from the kids to the job to the uh you know how he hunts and where he hunts uh really dig having tony on man i, I think everybody who listens to this episode is going to be able to take away from you know listening to what tony says and it's good to bounce ideas off him too so i really like uh, i really like having him on and I've had him on several times now, so go back to some of the other Nine Finger Chronicles episodes that you may have missed with Tony and give those a listen uh, as well, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Real quick here, if you're looking for a saddle, you need to check out Tethered. Um, I've just started sighting my bow in this uh this week again and what i mean by that is i i've 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 picked it up and i've started shooting it again and i know a lot of guys shoot all year round i guess i'm not that guy um i i love archery but man i just everything i'm about to say is an excuse so i'll i'll spare you the excuse but I started picking it up and I can't wait to get the the saddle and the tree. I, I, I'm going to move my target in my backyard at a little bit more of an angle and I'll be able to get up in, in the tree house that I built for my kids and hang off that and fire a couple arrows into the target and kind of get, get the feel of it. 
uh, for this upcoming year. Uh, then we have wasp archeries on the tip of my heat seeking arrows. I'm going to have again, a wasp broadhead. And if you're a fixed blade guy, they've got you. If you're a mechanical blade guy, they got you, uh, for my fixed blade option. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the boss four blade. If, uh, I am looking for a mechanical option, I'm shooting the jackhammer. And what I mean by that is I've been shooting the jackhammer for Oh, probably over 10 years now. I absolutely love that head uh, and it does a lot of damage and it leaves really good blood trails. And if you want, uh, let's see, I think it's it's either NFC or 9FC. I think it's NFC 20 for 20% off of your wasp broadheads, wasparchery.com. Excalibur crossbows. If you're looking for a, a really high quality crossbow that's going to get the job done that has sizes for everybody that has been around for 30 years you need to go check out excalibercrossbow.com and uh, check out all the options that they have there hunt stand discount code sn20 for 20 let me see here yeah sn20 for 20 percent off here's a cool thing about uh hunt stand that like there's so much information on there, especially on their website too. They have a ton of great content on how to use their app once you download it. Dude, I'm telling you right now, it allows you to do so many things while you're just taking a shit in the morning, while you're doing whatever it is that you do throughout the day where you have downtime and you're on your phone. Get on hunt stand, do some scouting, get your brain thinking about access routes, wind directions, things like that. Hunt stand has so much functionality it's very affordable and uh that and that's why it's one of the most popular uh, popular hunting apps out there so go check out huntstand.com vortex optics man title sponsor i got my new uh crossfire hd 1400 what is the uh, rangefinder in and this thing is badass and it comes with a little case and i need that because i had a rangefinder fall out of my pocket this year as i was walking through the uh the south dakota countryside or i shouldn't say walking i was on my hands and knees crawling up to a group of mule deer and long story short uh, i wish i had this little pouch that comes in so i got a new i got a new a uh, crossfire hd 1400 that uh i need to i'll, I'll be testing out and using throughout the year that's going to be awesome binocular spotting scopes you know make sure that you go check out vortex and that and then lastly we got exodusoutdoorgear.com be sure to check out their i think they got some arrows coming out but also you know their their foundation is trail cameras and, and man i don't know how many trail cameras that i have i think i'll be honest i got i got uh when they first came out their first batch they sent me a couple there's uh, all but one has is being used i take that back all but two are still being used right and one of them isn't being used because a squirrel chewed through the top of it and water got in it and destroyed it but other than that like they have a five-year warranty but it's much more than that because you really don't need if you take care of your trail cameras you're not going to need the five-year warranty so but if if they do have damage they have the five-year warranty so go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com check out all their cameras love their cameras all right that's me whoring out i am done talking about my sponsors and how i pay my bills today's episode is awesome you guys are going to enjoy it so uh make sure you guys go to itunes leave a five-star star review let everybody know how awesome the nine finger chronicles podcast is and um what else go to instagram go to facebook make sure you're following along there even though i think instagram has banned me or shadow banned me or whatever the hell they do there um but enjoy this episode with tony peterson three two one all right once again mr tony peterson how the hell are you man i'm good buddy how are you i can't complain well i take that back I'm going to complain. I'm going to complain uh, <laughs> because, uh, and I, I talked to you just like briefly about uh, this before we started recording, but I want to get your initial reactions to some of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I didn't really do a review with you like we normally do. But um, first first off, how are you? I'm good, man. I've been uh, 
fishing and enjoying this weather. And, you know, this is, this is one of those windows of time we're living in, you know, central Minnesota seems to make sense. You yeah, know? absolutely. I heard in certain parts of the country, especially in Northern Michigan right now, that the mosquito hatch has been absolutely a nightmare on this first hatch. Do you guys get the, the bird size mosquitoes up in North in Minnesota where you're at? Dude, it's brutal. Yeah. It's just, yeah, right now is rough up there, especially yeah. for last light or if you don't have any wind. Oh, it's it's brutal. Out on the water's been pretty good, but, man, if you're standing on shore, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. What are you fishing for right now? Uh, smallies, mostly. Oh, dude, Some my large favorite models. fish. My favorite fish to fish for. Yeah, it's me too. I, I like smallies a lot. Yeah. my uh, We go up to the... Uh, one of the northern pools in the Mississippi River up in Iowa, and we float uh, right first thing in the morning. We'll we'll uh, uh, it's one of two lures, and I'm not I'm not a fishing. I don't know much about fishing, but they're like a plug, make a little plop, and then there's a long mm-hmm. one that kind of makes a Z pattern in the water, and the it's top, yeah top water action. And so it's real fun catching them right up on the banks while they're feeding first thing in the morning. Are you, are you fishing like what pools eight and nine up there? Uh, let's see. That would be, that would be the prayer. Do pool? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think that's 10. Yeah. So I think it's 10 and what, if you go South, that would be 11. Yep. Yep. So 10, probably, I think it's yep. 10 and 11. I think sometime we go up to, uh, Genoa dam way up there. Yep. So yeah, yep. sometimes we go up in there and, and, uh, my my father-in-law he's been fishing those pools in the mississippi river now for 40 years so every time we go out it's a personal fishing guide to uh we're yep. not here not here but the shitty part is is if the fishing is bad and to me when when i hear bad fishing i think of man we're not going to catch a fish but a bad day of fishing for him is i uh, did i only caught 10 yesterday i'm like what that's like that's awesome fishing to me anyway. And so he won't even take us out if, if it's low compared to him. So he's only interested in going out on days where every cast results in a fish. Yeah. It's it. People don't realize how good, I mean, even if you start up kind of close to my house here, I'm, I'm pretty close to pool two. Yeah. And you, you start working your way down. I mean, those first, I don't know, till, till like 11 or 12, where it starts to really spread out. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the fishing, not you know, not only the bass fishing for the smallies and the largemouth, but just every the quality of perch and walleyes, and it's just so it's such a productive body of water, and yeah. there's so many options. Yeah, and like uh, the the conservation parts of the state, like uh, Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota, they really do a lot to, to the habitat there. And yep. they really take care of it to make make it what it is. Yep. Yeah, they do. They do a lot of work because it's you know it's silting in and yeah, you know that that river's always changing. And I mean that's part that's part of what's so cool about it. I mean I, I fished those pools you're talking about. I fished tournaments down there for years. Yeah. And man, you show up and you think like, okay, well last year, you know this slough or whatever this pool or you know this lake was just on fire and you go in and it's changed so much and you have to figure it out. I mean, it kind of, to me, it reminds me of hunting public land where you're just like, you just don't get consistency, you know, like total consistency from year to year. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple spots where over the years, but what he's, what my father-in-law is really good at is locating uh, spots that look the same. Right. So like uh, the front end of uh, an island coming off the main channel or something like that. Right. If there's fish there, he yep. can go look for those spots, you know, just like just like hunting. Right. I mean, the, if the, you have the habitat, there's going to be deer in there. So that's what he, he just finds those consistencies. And he's really good at that. And of course, 40 years in, in specific locations, you know, you're going to you're going to know where the fish are at certain water levels. Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. Yep. All right. So. Um, I'm getting excited because we're going up there this week, uh, towards the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're going to be up there and it's going to be fun, except I think it's, it's like the forecast is showing rain, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So the only day we're going to be able to get out and do anything really is Thursday. It looks like according to the schedule. So, 
driving three hours north and then sitting in a little cabin the whole the whole time kind of sucks. So we're going to have to find stuff to do like little museums or conservation offices usually have like fish and rattlesnakes and think cool things to look at. So I don't know. Yep. Uh, it's awesome. It's, it's fun. I love, I love Northeast Iowa, man. And, and Western Wisconsin and Southeast Minnesota, man. It's, it's so beautiful up there. Yeah. That driftless area is yeah. freaking awesome. Yeah. So, um, Tony, how old are your girls again? 10. 10. Okay, 10. So they're one year older than my daughter, uh, Ava, and they're out of school. Are your kids out of school? Nope. We've got four days left. Okay, four days. So you guys must – did you guys have a ton of snow days this year? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it is day number one of summer break at my house, 7 o'clock. About 7.15, I get my youngest packed up, take him to daycare. He's he's still going to daycare. I think it's going to be better for him. But I'd say I walk in from the house, and my my oldest two are already fighting. And I'm just like, I, I had a crack in my skull because... I'm just like, holy shit! If it's gonna be like this on day one, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump off a fucking bridge because I don't know what I'm gonna, how I'm gonna control this because they don't listen. I don't know. Like lock them in their rooms. I don't know. Do your do do your girls have any activities that they do in the summer to keep them busy? Dude, we just try to redirect them all the time because yeah. it's the same thing for my kids. I mean, they're they're best friends sometimes, but they are they will throw down at yep. other times. You just got to keep them busy. Oh, they spend man. too much time together inside and it's just a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm something's wrong with me. <laughs> like my, <laughs> my patience these days, like I, I used to have the longest fuse ever, but now I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just getting old and my fuse is getting shorter and shorter every single year. Yeah. I, it just happens, man. I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, you know, you think that stuff's not going to happen to you, but you're going to become the old crappy guy. And, you know, like we, if you talk to like a, a youngster, like a 20-year-old about, you know, marriage and what's waiting for them, yeah. they'd be like, not going to happen to me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how you think when you're younger, and then you start getting to this age, and you're like, God damn it, it happened. It happens every day. You know how big of assholes men actually are? It's... We have the ability to warn people about what's coming, right? Hey, hey, man, just back up. If you get married and you decide to have kids, this is what's going to happen to you, and it's not as fun as you think. And not, and I know you think it's not going to happen to you, but it eventually will. Like we, we have that, we have the ability to warn people, but because we hate our lives so much at certain times, we want to see other people suffer as well. Well, it, there's two parts to that, though, right? Like. Yes, that's that's a part of it, but it's also when you're a young man, you're just dumb, oh, and you're yeah. like, that's like you just don't believe it. Like, there's no way I'm gonna become that guy, and then something happens. And yeah, it just, just it's written stone, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the last time we talked, we talked about the new Top Gun movie, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess people are pissed because I don't want to see it. Well, well, I think what you did was you made a blanket statement. You're like, I, I don't really care. I'm not going to a movie theater. I'm not going to go see it. All right. Well, so, it was it was mostly a Tom Cruise yeah uh, spite, but yeah, I don't make it into movie theaters a whole lot these days. Right, right. So I'm going to read a couple comments real quick from uh, some <laughs> of the listeners. Okay, uh, Top Gun Maverick was better than advertised. Tony P is truly missing out on a spectacular film event. Okay. That sounds like, I mean, and from what I've gathered so far and talked to some of my buddies who have seen it or seen the reviews online, it is, it's truly an amazing movie. Yeah. I heard it's badass. Okay. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to read this next one. Tony Peterson needs to get his head out of his ass and go see the new Top Gun movie. It's awesome. I highly recommend it. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So fuck that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> God, you know, this might be the last time I ever have you on this podcast, Tony, you piece of garbage. Because I won't go see Top Gun. 
not because you have, uh, you know, several, several years of uh, whitetail hunting knowledge that we could pick from, but instead we're going to talk about uh, uh, sequels to movies from the 80s. Um, Everybody who gets drummed out of our industry gets caught poaching or doing something horrible, but I'm going to get kicked out because I won't see the people <laughs> All right, guys. That's the that is the straw that broke the camel's back. That's hilarious. Um, yep. Okay. So, and I know we're kind of all over the place in this intro, but I have one more thing. I want to. Have you ever seen Stand Up by Louis C.K.? Oh yeah. Oh, dude is hilarious, right? Um, I, I feel. And there is a there's a bit that he does that's called, of course, but maybe. Right. And I might stir the pot here a little bit, but um, he's going to say he has this one just for an example. He's like, of course, we should separate foods and and, and be well prepared uh, for kids with nut allergies. Right. Of course, because if we do, we you know, they could get sick and they could die. But maybe if you touch a nut, you're supposed to die. Right. Like that, like that's funny to me. Right. It's a joke. It's funny. Right. So I want to bring that into the I want to bring that into the 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 hunting world and Mm -hmm. like just as for fun, say, you know, like congratulations. Of course, it's awesome that you shot this 170, 180, 200 inch deer. But maybe the only reason you shot it is because you hunt on a thousand acres of highly pressured land and had 40 acres of standing beans in a late season muzzleloader hunt. Like, 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 you know how we congratulate our community, but on the inside, we're like, yeah, but the dudes, the dudes got thousands of acres to deal with. Right. Like, of but co- what's the whole story? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but come on, like. Yeah, congratulations, dude, but you're not really that good of a hunter, right? Maybe it's because you have access to ground that a lot of people don't have access to. And that makes me sound like an asshole. So, but you know, we're having fun here. And then uh-huh. uh, I think we could turn it on the public side as well and just be like, of course, it's awesome to watch the YouTube videos of guys getting it done on, on public land. But maybe every time you post a video, it makes pressure for that piece of public harder for the local because non-residents are coming in, right? So there's these there's these catch-22s. And I don't know. I, I was sitting on the shitter today and, uh, and was thinking about that. So, um, you know, that's uh, – I don't know. I, I, I think I found that funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything – I don't know. If you if you dig into everything, you can find some humor in it. And yeah. When you, when you deal in the world we do, like, there's a lot of truth that sort of gets left out. Right. Right. Much of what you see, or much of what is presented, I should say, I guess. Yeah. And I've never like, <laughs> I've never met. Like, our industry is kind of special because you can't go win. A, a, you can't accidentally win the NBA finals. You can't accidentally go win a, uh, the world series or the, the super bowl, or you can't accidentally become the greatest scientist in the world, but you can accidentally shoot a 170 inch deer. It it happens every single year. And so when you accidentally do something like that, the way the world works, people are like, Oh my God, this guy must know a thing or two about deer hunting. And then some of those people go, I do know something about deer hunting. I should tell more people about how, how much information I have in my brain about how I accidentally shot this giant deer. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of that. Yeah, this is, this is, this is a weird deer hunting today is weird because you can you can buy your way into superstar status. Like yeah. you can buy your way into a crazy amount of success. You can't even do that in fishing. No. Like you, there's a, there's a leveling agent out there. Like if you think you're a badass fisherman, you can go try to prove it against other badass fishermen and you'll be found out. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll, it'll level off, but hunting, we don't have that. And we, man, I thought for so long we would kind of get to a point where we would recognize that really well and be like, okay, you know, this, this person has a very privileged hunting, you know, situation. Right. And it is what it is. Who cares? Right. But it, that doesn't make them 
an amazing hunter, even if they're killing 170s every year, tip, you know, like in certain situations. But man, we just don't quite get there. No. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, like the public land movement thing was sort of a antidote to that, right? Like they, we could at least say, if you can go do this, that, that's a pretty neat qualifier, right? Like, right. You know, but even then, it's like, okay, are you public land hunting? Georgia or are you public land hunting Iowa or South Dakota? Right. You know, right. like there, there's a huge variance even in that. Yeah. Uh, I got, I'm still looking for that little niche where I can swindle people out of, uh, their, <laughs> their, their likes and views. So I can, you know, prop myself up as one of the greats. I just don't <laughs> know. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. I'm still working. Uh, on just it. keep, just keep killing big Iowa bucks. You'll get there, buddy. <laughs> Big Iowa Bucks on uh, private ground, right? Yeah, but yeah, doesn't matter, man. Just yeah. kill big shit. I, I, all I have to do is do what most of them uh, when they post it on Instagram. Just not tell any of the story. Just say yep. Booner down, yeah. Big Buck down, got it, and then that's it. And no, no one knows how you did it. It's just like, oh shit, man, this guy's awesome. He just shot a giant deer. Let's follow yep. him blindly into the fire. Bust. Yeah, yep. you got good, buddy. Yep. God, I'm going to write that down real quick. Take notes. And that's what I got to do. <laughs> or maybe take pictures with other guys I know who killed de big deer, but aren't on social media and just post them without any description. So people think that I'm doing, you know, just, doing great. Just posing with other people's bucks. Exactly. Man, you want to hear a story about that? Yeah, I want to hear a story so, about it. I, I can't remember where I was. I was in a, in a, uh, on a media hunt one time and somebody was talking about that where they were, I think they were hunting in Texas on a place that had a high fence and a low fence part. And they said, and it, this was years ago and I'm not going to say the person's name, but they said that they had to tranquilize one of their giant bucks to move it from one pen to the other or something or sell it or whatever they do. And so this buck is, you know, got the Bill Cosby treatment and it's snoring <laughs> in the, in the grass and this person said they looked over and one of the writers on the hunt had his bow out and was taking trophy photos with this buck that was snoozing. Are you kidding me? Nope. That's what? Yep. <laughs> that can you that, that's the world we live in though, right? Um Oh I've, dude. I heard a same story. I've heard another story with a an older celebrity. He's not. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's got a show anymore. He's. I think he's retired. But he was in the fishing and the hunting world, and um, he wanted to go in to a, a high fence. He wanted it. Just. He's like, I don't have enough time. Make it happen. So they they shot this deer with a tranquilizer. Uh, they got him in a tree stand. They brought the deer out in a cart. Laid him down in front of this in like a real small pen and there's a camera guy over the shoulder filming the whole thing. And so this was back, this was kind of back like at the birth of the internet. So it, I don't think it ever made it on to any type of like it, it, that shit would make it on today and people would get found out about it. Right. Yeah. But I don't think it got made out, but as it's waking up this guy, it's like stumbling already. And this guy over, like the camera guy's like, Jesus Christ, I can't do this. Like, this is, this is horrible. And the guy's like, shut up, just film it. And he shoots this deer uh, with a, it could have been a crossbow, could have been a bow as he's wobbly legged and he falls over dead. And that's the end of it. Like 15 seconds, right? Whatever. But it took longer to go trank the deer, drag him in. And so, <laughs> so like he took the picture and then he probably left town to go do it again somewhere. So for his yeah. TV show. So, oh my God, like that, that kind of shit just blows my mind. It's, it's wild, man. I mean, it, when you, when you start to learn about some of that stuff, yeah. you, you realize just how much money must be in this. Oh yeah. Because, you know, it's not, it's not just assholes on TV doing that. Like, yeah. I mean, there, there's a whole industry built around those kind of places and it's just it's a wild world like i think i think that like the average hunting crowd like has a little bit of a concept of it but no idea like what it really means like what the money involved is yeah. and just it's it's so bizarre yeah and then you start to then you start to take away 
I don't know, someone who's built up their their following and their their livelihood around this one thing, then all of a sudden it's in jeopardy because a sponsor is leaving or something like that. And then you're like, oh shit, I need to do something that's going to generate a lot of attention to me. That's where they typically get busted by, you know, shooting multiple deer, taking a deer across state lines or doing, or or doing something stupid like that. And uh, so then they're like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta, I want to continue this lifestyle because, you know, being on top feels really good. And so that's when, that's when all these people, uh, do, do dumb shit and that's why i've i've propped myself up on a foundation of shooting medium deer uh, and small deer and not uh and not giants it's because i don't feel like i can fall at that point uh i i hear that and it, i mean if you think about it dude like you, you you can watch sort of an arc with a lot of these shows and stuff where they start out with really good intentions and then, you know, it's different now with the YouTube world where you don't, you're not bound to like a, a network schedule, but you know, it wasn't that long ago where you're like, Oh, I want my own show. It's like, okay, well you have 13 shows. Can you kill 13 deer this year? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you know, and it, I mean, it got to the point where it was like, Oh, can we have two or three kills on a show? Yeah. It's, you know how many people you need to rope in and you know how many easy hunts you have to buy yeah. to even get, close to that i mean yeah. even if you're making two parters and you're you got a little bit of sway with your audience where they'll they'll put up with some no kill shows it's like okay can you go out and kill eight good bucks in a season like how do you how do you even like wrap your head around that yeah yeah like it, there's like there's no way even even if you have unlimited time and good places to hunt in multiple states like you're talking like a heavy heavy lift for obligations like that yeah it's too much yeah Absolutely. And then it's like, also you get to that point where it's like three, four kills on a, on a show. It's like, nobody likes watching for me anyway. I don't know about you, but nobody likes watching just money shots and porn, right? That like, I just don't like watching a deer show up on camera, get shot. And then, Hey, look what I did. You know, like that's, uh, I, I can't get into that. Yeah. There's gotta be a little build up, right? Yeah. A little bit, a little foreplay maybe. <laughs> Anyway, something got to deliver a pizza or <laughs> some plumbing, right? <laughs> oh man, does Meat Eater know that you're on the show with me? Because I hope, I hope not. <laughs> oh, they're they're gonna start putting in some of their talent that they they hire in the contracts. Like you cannot be seen or associate with Dan Johnson. Yep. Yep. All right. They're gonna. They're- they're going to want to review everything, buddy. Exactly. All right, so here's the deal. It's summertime. And may, other than maybe some out-of-state hunts, like, I, and I'm with gas prices, with my, my kids' schedules of sporting events and vacations and stuff like that, I, I am no longer the guy who gets to go on any type of scouting missions, especially out-of-state hunts, right? Um, I have my properties that I know I'm going to go to uh, here in Iowa. So there's not necessarily a ton of additional scouting that needs to happen. What is Tony Peterson doing in the summertime to prepare for the fall? Um, you know, I don't take a ton of scouting trips, but I do take some, I just, I, I feel like I kind of have to. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, uh, some public land in Southern Minnesota that I'm, I'm real curious about. So I'll be down there a couple different times. I went down there in February and really looked around and then I've got some stuff in Wisconsin that I'm pretty interested in. So some of my, you know, summer scouting trips will be that they're, you know, they're not far, right. You're talking three hours, to one spot, two hours to another spot, three hours to another spot. Like, you know, I'm not driving 14 hours to go scout elk in some unit in Colorado, you know? Um, but the other thing that I do in the summer a lot is get, I got a couple of private pieces over in Wisconsin that I get ready for the girls because they're hunting. And so I enjoy putting up blinds and cameras and doing, doing the work for that too. So yeah, some, you know, some, not a, not a ton. You know, this year will be interesting because it's going to get freaking spendy driving all over. Oh uh, dude. Stuff. Dude. Like I, I'm, I'm just, everything's as of right now compared to my, my trip I took to South Dakota and Nebraska last year times two for everything. Yep. And then you start looking at the dollar amounts and you're like, Jesus, man, like, how am I 
supposed to justify living this because I sleep in my truck for some of those hunts. You know, I get a, I, last year I was getting like a $40 hotel room a couple nights because it's the off season on some of these, on a lot of these places. And so I could justify it. But now gas times two, I'm sure the hotels will be times two and, and everything, food, you know, all that stuff. It just makes me think I'm not going to be able to have the schedule that I want this year. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I, and I feel, I feel bad for people who, you know, they get one trip a year and yeah. it's tough to swing because this year's going to suck. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what we'll see with this, you know, like, I know you pay attention to these trends out west, and you know some of these premier whitetail states too, and like what what the you know number of applicants is and what the draw odds are, yeah. and just what's going on in that world. And I don't know if we're heading into an economy situation where we're going to see a real impact on that or not. Yeah, you know, like you, you think you'd like to think like okay, you know if I'm being rational about this, how many people are going to drive from Pennsylvania to Colorado this year yeah. with, with fuel prices and everything, but there'll still be a ton of people that can swing it. And yeah. so I don't, I don't know where we shake out with this. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, if you, if you've had pressure in certain uh, non-resident out of state hunts in the past, this could potentially be the year to go do it because of the financial, you know, prices of everything are higher might be a good year to go and do it because of you know uh same thing with like i didn't know that gas prices were going to be this high in january when i was supposed to apply for certain wyoming hunts but you know i passed on applying this year but kind of wish i would have now because i have a feeling that price is going to drive people to not apply which means that the preference point needed for certain zones are going to drop like in a COVID year. And then, and then next year, if things recover, uh, then that's going to be the year that you're going to see a big jump in point creep and things like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to feel it this year yet. Like I, I don't, I don't think this fall you'll see a bunch of people bow out. I think by next season, maybe, but I, I don't know, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the other thing. Like, uh, so before, uh, so I, I've, I'm saving money to buy my own property, right? At some point I'd like to buy my own property so I can be that guy that plants the food plots and, and, uh, teaches everybody how to hunt big deer. But, <laughs> but I, everything in that realm is going up as well. And it's just really frustrating to me that it's a never ending cycle to like I don't know man I I don't know like I I just I know this may sound like a negative outlook but every aspect that I think of in hunting I just see it becoming more and more of like you have to have money to participate in it yep yep I mean it's well it's it's true you know I mean, and we don't, we don't think about it the same way as like, uh, you know, if you were super into golfing or something, right. But everything, there's just more people than ever, man. And we're in a weird situation with hunting because we have pretty good numbers right now and we're just slowly running out of space. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I mean, people bitching about too many people on public land right now. And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. That sucks. But a lot of them don't have anywhere to go. I mean, there, there's like the cool factor with it. And some people want to go out and hunt public land just to prove they can and you know, whatever, but we're just dealing with a weird transition right now. And that that's causing people to really want to lease up land and, you know, kind of, kind of preserve their little spot. And that just makes the whole thing a little bit worse. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I've, I've thought about leasing this year as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of went with, hey, I think I might go on a a couple more out of state hunts instead of lease, you know, lease some ground. But who knows what's what next year is going to bring? Do you do you think that, like, what what are your thoughts on the amount of people in the hunting community? Right? Do do we do you think we really need more hunters? Like, you know, because there's this big push for R three, right? Do do we need more hunters? Um, probably, 
I mean, I, I kind of think we probably do because we have a, when you look at the numbers right now, it's a weird picture, right? Like there are more people than ever traveling to multiple States. There are more people than ever applying out West. And so there's this impression in some of these segments of the, the hunting community where it's like, it's too much. And then if you look at sort of the traditional, uh, you know, rifle hunting community or gun hunting community in a bunch of these different states, that's that's dropping. And so we we don't have we're not like even though it feels like we're we're packed to the gills, we're losing people. Yeah. And I don't I don't know where that leaves us. You know, we're already a smaller uh, demographic compared to like the overall population. And that's not going to change. Like we're, we're going to be more insignificant as our population grows. I, I, by that, I mean like the general population, like the hunting community is just going to get smaller and smaller. And I really think we need, we need people out there. Like I know, I know people will get pissed about that, but we need advocates for this stuff. Like we need people who are passionate about it and, you know, I, I think the answer to it all that we could focus on and like actually be realistic about it is we need to be advocates for more access to land. Like yeah. we need every state, state level, federal level, however we have to do it, we need to open up more land. Like yeah. we need these walk-in programs. We need to, we, we need to do whatever we can because that's sort of the, that's sort of the remedy to a lot of this shit, yeah. you know? And I don't think, you know, there's prominent voices out there saying we have too many people and they don't hunt for the right reasons and blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, you can bitch all you want and make these political salient points, but it, that, that doesn't fix anything. You're not all you're doing is bitching and and riling people up like we need solutions. And there aren't that many, yeah. but more ground that's open to everyone is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I I can I can get behind that, and so like, I think what's what's happening is, obviously the content that's out there is, you know, hey dude, go take an out of state hunt. It's really fun. Here, ten tips on how to you know go out west and hunt a you know or be a non resident hunter. You know, take an out of state trip. Blah blah blah. Uh, which people, I, so I don't think there's necessarily more hunters right now. I. You know, obviously, some some statistics will say we, we're seeing a spike in the COVID years, but I think more people are just hunting more than what they used to, yep. right? The, the the guys who are our age who have you know we've we have a little bit more disposable income than the the twenty and early thirty year olds, um, so we're like, hey, let's go uh, to Colorado, let's go to uh, you know, let's start buying preference points for Iowa, let's uh, do this, this, and this, and I think. Now what we're seeing is just a, a bigger footprint of hunters across the, the nation, but the same amount of people. It's just more people are, are traveling to hunt. Yep. So, Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the, the negative impacts on the resource from just the, the available information, that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it wasn't really that long ago when we were using paper maps and, you know, you had oh, to yeah. mail in an application or walk into Walmart and buy your license and you know, you had to do some research to figure out if you could go somewhere. Right. Now it's just, we have so much information. It's just so much easier logistically to plan a hunt yep. and, and figure out how to do it, where to go. And it's just, it's that that's become easier. And I, you know, I'm kind of torn on that. Cause I, I like when people travel to hunt, like I want people to be passionate about this. Like it, and I, and I want them to experience it. You know, like if you're a whitetail hunter, like I've, and you have the itch, like I want everybody to get to hunt elk at least once, yeah. just to see, you yeah. know. But it's it puts us in a weird world now, where, but you know, can I bitch about something? Absolutely. Here, here's what drives me freaking nuts about this. So we we acknowledge that there's a lot of people out there doing this, right? Like you go to an over the counter unit for elk, or you go to public land for whitetails in a lot of places. There's a lot of people there. Just, you're going to deal with that, right? And all I hear is just bitching and bitching and bitching. I don't hear anybody who's like, well, I'm just going to scout harder. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to plan my hunts for, you know, Wednesday morning versus Saturday afternoon. Like there's still great opportunities out there. Yeah. And so I, I think one of the things that just drives me freaking crazy about this is how often people are just totally dismissive of like a whole state or, a, you know, 
a whole national forest or a whole hunting opportunity. And I'm like, do you think there aren't whitetails living there that you can kill and be happy with? Like if you're, if you're bitching about that and you're going on these forums or whatever, and you're like, my state's not worth it. I'm like the whole thing, like the whole, the whole opportunity is just not worth it. That's crazy. Like maybe you're just working hard enough, you know? Yeah. That's a fact, man. And I, I think, I think, well, it's happening, right? I mean, there's been a lot of laws passed by, um, let's just say that the resident versus non-resident uh, game here. The the residents in certain states are are starting to bitch, and they're they're saying that, hey, man, all my all these good spots are are flooded now because of non-resident hunters, and, and that means I have less opportunity, and so I I don't like what are we going to do about this? And we're seeing st- certain states start to implement laws that are changing the non-resident. They're going from an over-the-counter state to potentially a draw state or a uh, or a lottery state. Uh, they're going to break down units and, and, and all that stuff now too. So, uh, you know, less percentage of uh, uh, tag allocation to non-residents and preference point states and things like that because non-residents are are complaining but when i hear something like that i hear dude you live there how do you not know where the deer or the animals are at right so i think a lot of it has to do with i don't know the the like the big buck craze again right and you know hey dude it's not as easy for me to go find a deer with big antlers than what it used to because i have one or two more guys a year hunting a piece of property yep so yeah i mean i'm kind of i'm kind of obsessed with this idea right now about you know like in our evolution and like the evolution of predators it's you always want easier right right like it's why would you want to expend more you know resources for you know to keep your belly full for another day when you could do it easier Right. And I think that we struggle with that in a way that is pretty hard to acknowledge. And, you know, like when you when you look at how the hunting industry is built and a lot of the complaints around it, it's almost always like a thinly veiled attempt to have easier hunting. Yeah. Like it's, that's what sells. That's what people want. Like we don't <clears throat> we don't really admit it. Like ge- generally people don't admit it, but it's true. And so when you, you offer up a solution, like, well, man, you live there. You have a home field advantage. Why don't you scout more? Like, it's, it might almost actually be, like, against our evolution to go do that. Like that to, makes sense. To, like, make, make it harder for ourselves. But we can also acknowledge that and go, man, if it's really important for you to kill that bull or that buck, here's the blueprint. Yeah. Like, there, are, there are good, good hunters out there who can come into your state and go into that public land, and they will kill a big one. Yeah. Why can't you do it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's everything we see is heading that direction, right? I mean, from the content that we look at on a daily basis, you know, it's just scroll and stare, scroll and stare, scroll and stare. So why wouldn't that be across everything in our life, right? Everything in our life is is easier. So why not hunting? And and there's definitely opportunity out there through outfitters, through high fence, through, you know, money to plant giant food plots like if you want it if, if you have the resources the money to to do it easy all oh, that dude there's easy out there for you yep well and it, i mean it's a it's a personal thing too right like some people don't they don't want to work hard and that's okay like they you know whatever but i just think you know maybe maybe we're in a weird position but i just look at the stuff and i've done some of those easy hunts and they do nothing for me and i just i like the feeling i like the feeling of earning it yeah like i just like I, I, I don't need to go kill deer to eat them. Like yeah. I, it's a big part of what I want to do, and like I really enjoy that. But like, if they shut down deer hunting tomorrow, my family's not going to starve. Right. You know. Like right. I'm, I'm doing this for for lots of different reasons, and I just I look at that and I go, man, I wanna I wanna feel like I I worked for it. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I want to feel like there was there was some effort put in there to kill this animal. Yeah. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I walked into this guy's office, and he had two deer hanging on his, on his wall in his office. I can't remember what I was in there for. I think it was a body shop. And uh, I was dropping my truck off to get, yeah, it was after I hit my deer uh, in, in Michigan well, a couple years ago. I came back home. I had to get some body work done on it. And, uh, 
And so I walk into this guy's office. I knew him because he was a landowner next to a place that I used to hunt down in Southern Iowa. And I walked in, I said, Hey man, you know, how'd you do this year? And, and he had two, two big deer on, on his wall. And he's like, he, uh, I said, man, that is a giant. It was probably a 180 class on the wall, right? Just a, a giant 10 with some garbage around the bases. And then like one of the G2s were split just to, like a, a magazine cover buck. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, uh, he had maybe like a mid one forties, 10 pointer, right. Dwarfed compared to what was on the other, other side of the wall. And I said, yep. dude, where did you, where did you get that buck? And he's like, ah, I went to Texas on a high fence hunt, shot it. Like he didn't even want to talk about it. Right. He, it was almost like he was embarrassed because he had it on his wall. Right. So, and then, and then the, the, everything shifted to the story about the other deer that was on his wall. Yeah, dude, I shot this in November of, you know, 20, you know, 2016, blah, blah, blah. Like the whole story about it. And the other one was just like, I don't know. It was, it was almost like it, I don't know. Like it was when people remodel their kitchen, they put fancy things in it. It was almost like he did that just so he could have it on his wall, right? It wasn't, it had, it didn't matter. There was no story behind it, but the, the cool piece, the cool talking point was the smaller deer. So I don't know. I, that's just that, that connection that I get. And, uh, that the story is always behind the object that you obtained when you worked the hardest for it. Yep. Well, and that, you know, that example is like, like when I hunted Africa and I, I didn't really know what Africa was like when I went, I was pretty young. Yeah. It was right when I got into the industry and you just realize when you get over there, like it's, it's a, it can be a really cool experience, but it can also be just a great way to fill up a trophy room with cool looking. Right. Right. You, you know, like you can sit on a water hole and if you have the the money, you can kill the shit out of stuff yeah. without without doing any work. And it's going to be beautiful mounts and really, really exotic looking critters. And, you know, like if that's that's what you value, you can freaking do it. But yeah. it's a, I don't know, it's just different. It's a weird thing to me. Yeah. Africa is something that I'm, I'm curious about, but not curious about. Because I, I've, I've really only had very small interactions with people who have gone over and hunted in Africa. And for the most part, their experiences were the same, meaning what you just said. Yeah, we uh, sat over a water hole and just waited, and they finally came in. And then I shot this this animal, this animal, this animal, like five animals, whatever. And then yep. the other, and that was with a bow. The other guy who was out there had a rifle, and he was on a... Uh, on a trip. I don't know. He shot the, he, he has a two of my houses size trophy trophy room with like every African animal that you can imagine in there. He's got like, I think he's even got a hippopotamus in his, in his, uh, trophy room with, but with that said, he, he was so like his story, even though the stories were kind of the same, his story was, oh, dude, you got to go hunt Africa, and you got it. It's so awesome. And he did it all with a rifle, right? This other guy did it with a bow, sitting over a water hole, and he's just like, uh, I'm not going to Africa again, right? So, like, for me, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think Africa is a lot like that 40-acre late-season standing beans in a, you know, in the middle of winter type hunt. And it's not, yep. I don't know. I, I want to be challenged. Yeah. The, the You know, <clears throat> I have very limited experience. I went one time. Yeah. But it was, uh, everything else is really, about it is really cool. The hunting is weird. Yeah. At least the hunting I did, you know, it was out of blinds on water. It was, it was bizarre. It's really cool to see all the wildlife like, I mean, it, it's just neat to be in a place like that. Everything's different, you know, and that, that part's really cool. The hunting just wasn't that cool. Yeah. You know, and it, I like people ask me all the time, like, would you go back? If I could, if I could spot and stock with a bow, you know, low fence somewhere. Cause I think, I think in a couple countries you can do that. I would consider it because you, then you'd be in it, you know, yeah. like then you'd be, then you'd be in it or 
if somebody ever wanted to pay for me to go hunt Cape Buffalo over there with a bow, that's what I would do. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But yeah. It, that'll never happen. So. Yeah. And that was kind of like my same experience with Texas. I went with some really cool people and had a blast from the social standpoint of it. But when I got into the shooting house over a feeder and watched all these exotics kind of come in, I was like, I'm supposed to shoot this? Like, I, I don't understand. So like the culture is so different and you know, I have nothing against that. I mean, if that's what you do and that's how you do it, I, I guess, you know, Hey man, it, it's, it's a different way of doing it. But I, I saw, I saw something like that. And I was more into the social aspect of it than I was the actual hunting aspect of it. Yep. Yep. Well, and I mean, you know, that's a, that's like a really valid point, right? Like a lot of hunting, that doesn't appeal to, you know, like doesn't appeal to me personally appeals to people on that level in a major way. Yeah. So their driver, you know I mean? Like, you know, my favorite thing in the world to do is hunt late season roosters on public land with my dogs. Like I, that's as close as dying and going to heaven as I get. And I have zero desire to go do like a gang hunt in South Dakota and shoot a bunch of planted birds. Right. Cause I don't, I don't value the social aspect the same way. Yeah. You know, but like their motivation, like I'm not saying my motivation is better. Like we just have different ideas of what we want out of it. And, yeah. you know, you can look at so much of the whitetail world and see that that social aspect, at least in the, in a gun hunting community has been there a long, long, long time. time. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. So now that, uh, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but are you, do you have trail cameras out right now taking inventory at all? Um, I have mm, three or four out right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to get on that here in a couple of weeks when the, when the smallies are done spawning up here and they go back and start moving out to the rocks, I'll take a couple weekends off and, and go, go get some more cameras up. Yeah. That's, uh, I think I'm going to just wait and do a big trail camera push somewhere around the 4th of July. Uh, I had them up by this time last year, but I also wasn't the coach of two T-ball teams or two baseball <laughs> teams last year, and I wasn't a soccer coach last year. So I have, uh, and like I said at the beginning of this episode, man, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not going out and scrubbing a ton of new property this year uh, because <laughs> I, I, dude, I need to go, I need to do it. Trust me, I need to do it because there's a couple properties that are just like one death away from being sold, and from yep. some 90 year olds, you know what I mean? So, uh, that may sound bad, but that's the reality of, you know, hunting on uh, private ground, you know, permission ground. So, yep. so I don't really need to do a ton of scouting on those properties. I know exactly where I need to be when the, a, the trail camera picture that I check, the trail camera that I check shows a picture of a shooter, or I just know that it's a good rut spot. Right. So, but like for me right now, it's just a ton of e-scouting on some of these pieces that I might hunt in, you know, late October, November, if I do decide to go on some of these out-of-state trips. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that's a good way to spend your time, man. Yeah. How much time are you on your uh, phone or computer looking for looking for new spots? A lot. Yeah. It's It's embarrassing oh. sometimes a lot man but it's dude you can do so much work that way i mean you can you can do you can put yourself in such a good position when you really devote some time to e-scouting like yeah. it's it's so valuable yeah the, let me let me throw a scenario at you real quick and i want i want you to tell me how you would handle it right and obviously there might not be a way to handle it but you, you know, you're on, you're on your mobile app. I use hunt stand and I'm on hunt stand. And I'm going, Oh man, this piece of public looks really good. There's a river bottom here. There's uh, some tim timbered fingers, man. That looks like, Ooh, look at this pinch point here. Top of the lines are showing, Oh, that's a spur Ridge, blah, whatever you find, you find a good spot and then you get there and it's just loaded with cattle or it, it used to be loaded with cattle or it just doesn't, it doesn't pan out to what you thought it was online. Have you run into that 
And if so, how are you able to identify those spots and maybe skip them the next time you go to put boots on the ground? Man, I've run into that so much that, you know, here's a pro tip for anyone who's e-scouting. If you're looking at like walk-in properties in any given state, you're going to have a major cattle influence a lot of times. Like you just are. And and you're going to have situations where people are going to put in land that's just junk for deer. And so, you know, you'll be e-scouting and look at it and go, man, there's 400 acres of ground here in Kansas or wherever that's walk-in. And you you show up in person and it's a desert. There's nothing there. And, you know, so you kind of have to acknowledge that right from the front end. You know, if you're if I'm looking at, you know, state wildlife areas or whatever and management areas in Iowa, because I'm going to draw there next year, I know there's not going to be cattle run on there. You know, like it just just because of the designation, probably. And so I can go, OK, well, this this is an easier lift because I can see that, you know, see this what like you're talking about all those features you might like or whatever it has on it. You're not going to deal with that, but you still have to have plan B and C and D and E. But when you're when you're going somewhere else and you might have that cattle influence, uh, you might have just more limited public land then having those backup spots is so important. Like I don't. I've gone to various states with the idea that I had enough land in one spot to work with. Like I did, I did this in Oklahoma that talked about it a whole bunch, but I picked a spot that had 4,000 acres of public land. And I'm like, there's, there's more than enough land there for me to find deer. There just is, you know? So I devoted so much e-scouting to that property and I got there and it was just one of the most overrun properties I've ever been to. Like I could hardly find a deer on there like i mean it literally like couldn't find a deer and you know that state's not not low on deer population and so i always like when when that kind of stuff happens to me it just reinforces this idea like dude you better have at least four or five places to go to because you know like you run into that i mean i i did that in south dakota i don't know probably four years ago i guess five years ago where I was like, you know, I got this dialed. I got a bunch of spots. And, man, I got out there, and I was hunting walk-in ranches. And it was just, this pl- property's grazed down to nothing. This property's grazed oh, down yeah. to nothing. That's what and I re- talking, was running into. Yeah, you're talking big, big stuff. And on that trip, we, we were really struggling. And, I mean, I was, you know, standing on my back, sticks on my back, whatever. Just like, I got to find something. And I ended up going into this it's probably four or 5,000 acre ranch. And most of it was just dog shit. Like yeah. there was, you just walk into, you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing here. And then I found one section of that ranch that hadn't been grazed recently. And I crossed that fence into it, dude. And I was like, here it is. Yeah. Like this is, this is the spot. And I, I walked up, stashed my stand and, and set up a little natural ground blind. And I killed a doe and a buck in like that afternoon. I mean, it was just, because that's where the deer were. And so, you know, it's partially e-scouting and having your backups, but it's partially understanding what you could be getting into yeah. and not letting it rattle you so bad that you settle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing uh, for me is I'm trying to be in this pro like I'm really new, you know, let's just say four years. I've, I've gone on four years worth of out of state hunts. Now I'm in the process of this, like, collection right the collection of spots and so like if if plan a doesn't work i need to go to plan b so i'm in in the collection game and i think once i can get out of the collection game and get the rotation of property okay this is this spot's shit i go to the next spot oh that spot's shit go to the next spot well maybe spot a is rebounded and you know different group of deer have worked in okay there we go or you know having backups in case uh, there's cattle or, or whatever the scenario is. So I'm in that. And I feel like once a guy can get out of that and get into a knowledgeable rotation of pieces, then that's when their success really starts to bump up. Yeah. Well, it, it, certainly it, that's a part of it, but it's also just experience, you know, like e-scouting is awesome, but it doesn't mean anything until you get boots on the ground. Exactly. The more you look at stuff from a 30,000 foot view and then you actually go in and walk in there, the fewer mistakes you'll make in the future. Right. And I think that's I think that's a message we don't really push a whole lot out there. 
you know, we just say this, this is your answer to the, you know, like if you're traveling three States away, you got to get on here and you got to look and find these spots and drop your pins or whatever. But until you see it in person, it's pretty tough. And so, I mean, I do stuff every year where I'll look at properties I've hunted for a long, long time and you know, years, years, years. And I'll look at them on satellite imagery just to see what I'm missing, you know, and the more you kind of work that muscle, the stronger you get. Yeah. That's a fact, man. And that's, uh, and that's the thing, man. I, I, I know my expectations are a lot different when I go on my out of state hunts than here in Iowa because I'm close, right? I, 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 I have the ability to go and check trail cameras or go and do, if I wanted to go and scout, look for big deer, sit on a bean field, you know, in, in late July, early August, I could go do that. But out west and and in some of these other over the counter states that I plan to hunt, it's just a little different. And so I have to uh, manage my expectations, and and my expectations are actually pretty low. So that's a win. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, you know, one thing that that's worth considering there too is, you know, if you let's say, you know, you're in Iowa, right? Like, well, yeah. I know if I scout east, if I east scout a piece of public land in Iowa that has some trees on it and a river or something. I can, I can take it for granted that the deer are there because yeah. they will be there. I mean, you can do the same thing probably out west in a lot of places. If you have a river bottom with some cottonwoods along it and there's a few egg, you know, egg fields or something, you're like, all right, I'm in the neighborhood. Like, there's going to be deer there, probably deer that I can shoot. And so the e-scouting that way is more about those features you talked about earlier or just finding your river crossing or your pinch points or whatever is a different thing. You get into, like, some of the big woods stuff, you know, way up north or down south and now you're like, I can't really take it for granted that there's a good enough population here right. to just no matter where I walk in, I'm going to be around them. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a problem people make or, you know, that's a mistake people make when they're when they're scouting some of that stuff is like, oh, you know, here's a bench or here's a meadow or something like there's going to be deer around there. It's like, man, you get into some of these places, you, the density is going to be so low, like you can't just count on there being like a huntable viable population of deer right there yeah like you can't you can't solve that riddle all the time on e-scouting in some states the way you can in others yeah that's a fact lots of uh lots of stuff to consider when uh taking those out-of-state trips and getting ready for the summer and you know in, in this this has kind of been a high level conversation just kind of scratching the the surface of what actually needs to happen and what's going on but tony man once again i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh bs with us a little bit yeah buddy it's always fun and there you have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the book shoot shout out to tony uh, make sure you follow along what he's doing over there at Meat Eater. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download. Again, go leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. I would really appreciate that. It helps me out. Um, huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Excalibur, Hunt Stand, Vortex, and uh, Exodus. If you know all, all these products are awesome, so at least go to their websites and check out their products. That's all I'm asking. And uh, I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised. And, you know, we uh, on one of the last episodes, we talked about mental health. Um, and I really do believe that if you are a positive person, that will, you know, that will be contagious. Other people in your life will be positive and, and that'll be contagious. And it's just a snowball effect from there. And uh, little did you know, you're creating a better world. So, <laughs> so good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.